This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So what we read here in Hebrews, back in Hebrews 8, you can turn there, is exactly what Jeremiah talked about, again, hundreds of years before it all came to be. And this is one of the amazing things about the Bible. And this proves how the Bible is so true. There are things that were said hundreds of years ago that came to fulfillment later on. It's not an accident. That is God's work. Just think if somebody told you 10 years ago, you're going to be sitting in a high school auditorium listening to a guy preach who was born in Omaha, Nebraska, and you were going to have one of the exact clothes you have on right now. If they told you that 10 years ago, you thought, that person's crazy. But then when it starts to happen, and all of a sudden it's fulfilled exactly how they said, you got to ask yourself, self, this is not a coincidence. There's something behind This is powerful here. That's how the Bible is. It tells us so many things that's going to happen, and then God fulfills it because he is almighty, all powerful. And so he gives us four differences between the old covenant, what they followed under Moses, and the new covenant, what we are under with Christ Jesus. And the first thing it talks to us about, back in Hebrews verse 8, chapter 8, verse 10, I'm sorry, Hebrews 8, verse 10. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. First thing it says about the new covenant is that it's not going to be a tablet that we're going to read off of. He said it's going to put it in your mind and on your hearts. It's not simply going to be book religion or head religion. It's going to be inside your heart. In your mind. In other words, let's be honest. You know what to do. You know you need to forgive. You know you need to confess. And you know that when something's going on, you just feel a little funny, like, I know I shouldn't be. This is just not right. That's God that put those things inside of you. He created you, and He also left an absence in you. So that you will long to search for him. Because what you're missing is him. Right. So he's given you so many things to draw you back to him. The title of my lesson today is having a relationship with God. Because this is what we need to talk about. Having a relationship with God. Under the new covenant, one of the things you have if you have a relationship with God is this. He has written this in your hearts and on your minds. It's not just who is the smartest biblically. It's a part of you. The second thing he says in verse 10, I will be their God and they will be my people. The new covenant people have a personal relationship with God. See, a relationship in which people say, this is my God. A relationship where God says, these are my people. See, I have a relationship with my wife. When I introduce her, I say, this is my wife, Lauren. I don't just come up to you and say, hey, this is Lauren. That would not be any significant thing. I mean, you'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. Let me ask her on a date. <laughs> no, that's my wife. 
and I introduce her as my wife. Not my property, but as my wife. It's a relationship. That's how we need to be with God. This is my God. Don't insult my God. Because see, when you insult my wife, you insult me. And now we got drama on our hands. <laughs> but is that our attitude when people insult God? How dare you insult my God? The third thing it talks about in verse 11, again, Hebrews 8, verse 11, about the new covenant people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least to the greatest. The new covenant people, you don't have to be taught to know the Lord, because you will know the Lord before you get into a relationship with the Lord. Now see, here's the thing. Under the old covenant, at birth, you were born into a covenant relationship with God. So when you were born, you automatically had this relationship with God. Now think about that. That little baby don't know nothing. They just want to eat, poop, and sleep. That's just function, a circle of life for that little lady. They don't know that. So when all those Jewish people got into be teenagers, they had to go to the, to the leaders because that was their job to teach them how to know the God that they already had a relationship with. That doesn't make sense. Why do I have to teach you about a relationship you supposedly already have? And see, this is one of the striking differences between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Because in the New Covenant, you're going to know God because you're going to have a relationship with Him. You don't need to be taught about it after the covenant. You know who He is. You make a conscious decision to repent. You make a conscious decision to deny yourself, to live the way God wants you to live. Why? Because you know God. And so you already know. We don't have to teach you how to know God. Before you get in that relationship, you're going to be taught. You're going to know who God is. It's like all these summer camps we're doing. See, these kids are going to camp to know who God is. We're teaching these kids now who God is. So now when they're old enough, I already know God. I'm ready to make that commitment. I'm ready to make that decision. See, again, this just kind of blows infant baptism off the water. How do you know God as that little baby? Seriously? What covenant are you living under? And see, this is an important thing to know. Now, the fourth thing he says here in verse 12, and this is probably the most striking difference between the two covenants. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Under the old covenant, every year the high priest had to go into the most holy place, and there was this big ceremony that reminded people of all their sins. Now, under the new covenant, there's no memory of sin. Once you're forgiven, there's no longer any memory or combination with that sin. The Bible says repentance is refreshing. Because you don't remember that. And here's the problem. Too many of us, we play those tapes over and over in our head, reminding us of our sin. We've got to understand, I'm under a new covenant of grace. If I repent, you know what? I am a whole other person. I am able to move on without regret. I'm able to be a different person. This is what we need to understand in the kingdom of God. If we walk around in a world of guilt, 
you're not in God's kingdom. You're living in the kingdom of guilt. You got to make a decision. What kingdom do I want to be a part of? Because God says, in my kingdom, I will remember your sins no more. Now, it's not like God has a problem upstairs. No, no, no. He chooses not to remember those sins. You know what? That's an example for us. Because we can choose not to remember other people's sins also. You got to hear me on this. Because sometimes we've known a person so long. Say, my great brother did a great job for me. You might have known him 10 years ago, and he did something really stupid. Well, you know what? Now, 10 years, he's mature, he's a different person. But if you keep him stuck in your mind where he was 10 years ago, you're not allowing a man to grow and to be what God wants you to be. You have to choose. You know what? That's what they were, but this is what God has done with them now. And you know what? Life changes people. In 10 years, you have kids, you have health issues, you have all kinds of blessings, all kinds of stuff that make you a different person. You cannot keep people at the same place they were whenever a situation occurred. And so this says these are striking differences between the old covenant and the new covenant. And so, all oh, that's my intro. I want to talk to us about having a relationship with God. So if you're here visiting with us, we want you to understand what the church is all about, first of all. We're not trying to trick you. We don't want just more people in the church. We want you to know what you're doing, understand God, and be on the battlefield with us as we fight against the devil. So right now, you're sitting on an airplane waiting to take off. That's good. Now, if you already are a disciple, you're not on an airplane. You're out there on a landing strip with those little glow sticks signaling the work that to happen. That's our role, to direct people into the kingdom of God. It's not just to sit on the landing strip. No, no, you got to give some direction. you got to talk to them. you got to help them. That's what God has us here for. So now we cannot think about ourselves, but other people. So I want to answer the question here for our sermon today. What does having, what does it mean to have a relationship with God? Now Paul defines things in his letters in two ways. He defines it negatively and then positively. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Let me give you an example before we get into it. Ephesians chapter 2. When it's talking about salvation, just look and see how Paul describes it. Ephesians 2, as it talks about things negatively and then positively. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. So Paul says, listen, in regards to salvation, first he says it in a negative way. It's not obtained by works. It's not obtained by you. Then he tells you the positive way. But it is a gift Amen. that comes from God. So first of all, I, I want the message to go in that way. So first, I want to explain to us and help us understand what having a relationship with God is not. Amen. And then let's talk about what having a relationship with God actually is. Amen. Now this is important. Because there's a lot of people, especially after you're in the church for a while, that start to struggle with their zeal, their love, their energy for God. And it shouldn't be. It should get easier as you get older. 
not just because you're closer to me, Jesus, but because as we grow in our lives spiritually. So, what is a relationship with God not, first of all? A relationship with God is not merely being a member of a church. This is a common misconception about Christianity today. You invite someone to church, and if they respond positively, they'll say, sure, I've been looking for a church home. Now, why do people look for a church home? Because they want to find a spouse. They want to better their marriage, help their kids. They need more friends. So many self-focused things when a person is looking for a church home. Oh, you don't have the programs I need? Nah, that's not going to be my church home. I need something else. Oh, you don't have the marriage things I need? Nah, that's not my church home. I'm going somewhere else. So many times that's the extent of people's thinking because that's the extent of where the church really is. See, here we're on a mission still. We still believe we're here to save the whole world. We're not just going to help people here. Yes, that's where it starts, but we got to get bigger than that. We got to go further than that. We're on a mission to save souls in this generation. It is important for us to realize that. Now, having a relationship with God is not merely being a church member, because in fact, there could be members in the church right now that aren't going to make it to heaven. Just because your name is on the membership does not guarantee you it's going to roll in the kingdom of God up in heaven. You got to live the right life. If you live the right life, your name is engraved in the blood of Christ. It is no doubt about it. You ain't got to worry about nothing. But you know whether or not you're here for church or you're here for a relationship with God. You know, I was a member, and again, I only went on those holidays. Uh, Christmas, Easter, my birthday, those holidays, only days I went. And, uh, I was a, a part of the church, but I did not have a relationship with God. Just because I went there did not make me have a relationship with God. You know, I, I don't know how many guys are on Facebook, but I got a Facebook account. And I don't really get on it a lot because it's too much drama. I got enough drama in my life. I don't need more than add it on there. But once in a while, I look at it. So I was looking at it, and uh, one of the, somebody posted on my thing. He said, uh, let's see. Smoking weed does not make me a bad person, and going to church doesn't make me a good person. And I said to myself, I said, so. That is a very good point. So I don't like to reply back, because if you reply back to a group and everybody on the back of jumps in and replies to it. So I said no private message. I said, you're right, going to church doesn't make you a good person. Going to the doctor doesn't also heal whatever ails you. Going to the auto mechanic doesn't always get your car fixed either. But if that's the result, then that's where you need to go. So, church will not make you a good person, but if you know this is the direction I need to go, I want to go, this is the place I need to be at for me to have a good life, a relationship with God. See, it's like if I want to be an upstanding person, I'm not going to hang around people that aren't like that. So you know where you want to go if you're looking for certain results. Needless to say, I got no reply to my reply. 
But going to church doesn't make you have a relationship with God. A relationship with God is not synonymous with being baptized. In other words, just because you're baptized doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. See, I grew up thinking that if a person was baptized, boom, they're right with God. There's no issue. Because that's how society portrays Christianity. Being baptized as a baby doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. Nor does being baptized as a teen or even an adult. It's more to it than just getting baptized. Baptism does not guarantee a relationship with God. You know, when I grew up, when, when I did go to church, it was, it was a church that, and it was amazing because everybody got baptized the first of the month and they had this big baptism ceremonies and it was just an incredible time and then all during the rest of the month, you know, people just sat there and did their own thing. But the first of the month, boom, they get baptized and I didn't understand what was going on. Well, later on, we became a lot closer, our families, with the minister of the church. I mean, we like did stuff together. Uh, the kid, his son was dating my sister. It was like chaos kind of movie. So I said, well, why do y'all baptize people? Or, cause I wasn't baptized. I didn't know. Why do y'all baptize the first of month? I said, oh, well, that's when everybody get their government checks. And then that way we can get their time. It was a plan behind the baptism. I didn't know that. I thought, holy, holy. So that's why they were baptized people at the first of the month. And I'm like, you know what? Baptism is not what saves you guys. And the sad thing is, a lot of people still in that congregation thinking they're right with God, but being led astray. Thirdly, having a relationship with God is not the same thing as taking communion. It's not. Now, there are some people who would never think of missing communion at all. Even if they showed up late, they're going to be out there looking for some cracker crumbs and some juice, get little mixed up juices and all that. Communion is not what saves you. It does not put you in a relationship with God because you have communion. When I grew up, we went to a church, uh, one of the churches, because after we got there, a church happened. And I was sitting there, I remember I was sitting with my mom and my dad was on the side, and it was a church, and it was a, a, a one-cup church. And so everybody took the way and drank out that same cup. I saw that cup coming out of the house, and I said, no, we're not having that. People drinking out of it and stuff was stuck from their mouth. One lady moved her dentures around and started drinking. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. That was my last Sunday at that congregation. When you went back? Chameleon does not say that. When I first came to church, because I didn't have a lot of church knowledge, I first came to church and they're passing communion, and I don't know, do I want to drink that? Do I not want to drink that? They talk about blood of Jesus, I ain't drinking no blood, I don't know nothing about that. I mean, I just had no Christian church understanding of it. So sometimes I took it, sometimes I didn't. kind of depend on how my week went. And then I had to understand that communion is not what makes you right with God. But when you have communion, it does remind you of all the things that God has done for you. As a disciple of Jesus, you're sitting there and you're remembering God's grace, God's love. As a disciple, communion is the best antidepressant you can have. Because it reminds you of all that God has done and how much he loves you. But it's not the thing that makes you right with God. Now you got to hear it. If you know the results, you got to put all these things together 
and not just say this one thing does it. But then fourthly, having a relationship with God is not just your quiet time. It's not just your time to read and to pray. Let me make this simple here. I like to make things simple because I play ball and I got hit in the head a lot. So I just want things simple and I can understand it. I don't want to try to think too much. But sometimes you ask somebody, how's your relationship with God going? Oh, brother. They do that church life. Brother, it's awesome. I read Philemon for 40 minutes and prayed for 20 minutes. I am close to God today. I think, well, what did you do with the other 23 hours of your day? Just because you're limiting your relationship with God to one hour, 40 minutes of reading, 20 minutes of prayer, and then you're right with God? No. It's how do you live those other 23 hours that determine what's going on. When you start to limit your relationship with God to the length of time and your quiet time, you know what happens? You get so legalistic. When you don't make 60 minutes, you worry, am I still safe? You worry what's going on today. No, 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 no. We need to be in our word. We need to be praying. But that is not the extent of what makes you have a relationship with God. Now again, if you know the results and you know I want to be a better Christian, then I do need to read so if you know the results, you know where to go. But that is not the whole solution for us having a relationship with God. Now, those are some of the things. I could have went on and on. Because you can't describe a relationship with God in one 30-minute sermon. Or 45 or 50-minute sermon. <laughs> so if I don't finish all this, we'll have to finish up another time. So you got to come back again if you're visiting and hear what else we're going to say. But what does it mean to have a relationship with God? Number one, look at uh, back in Hebrews chapter 8. Verse 11. It says, No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. Do you know God? Of course I do. Do you know Jesus? Yes, I know Jesus. Imagine this. Do you know LeBron James? Yeah, I know LeBron James. He played for the Cavs. He played in Miami. He won a championship for both. Just past Michael Jordan in the history of postseason uh, points. Yeah, I know L.J. <laughs> now let me ask this. Do you know stats about LeBron James? Or do you know LeBron James? <laughs> See, there's a difference. People say they know Jesus. Do you know stats about Jesus? Born in Bethlehem, married with a virgin, died on the cross, healed a couple blind people, cast some demons out to some pigs, they drowned. I know Jesus. Well, just those stats that you know isn't going to make the rest of your day be righteous. Do you know Jesus? Or do you know things about Jesus? Jesus. It says here, have a relationship with God. This is under the new covenant, but it says in verse 7, no longer will you teach somebody, know the Lord, because in order to get into a relationship with God, you must already know the Lord. See, you don't have to have a PhD in Bible to know the Lord. But one thing you can say, you know what, God loves Jesus. 
His son is walking on the earth, doing what he wanted him to do, living the right life. And yet God said, I'm going to let my son be taken from the earth for you. So now I want you to walk in his place. And I want you to replace my son that I let die for you. So all that he would do and think and act is what I want you to do. So he removed his son and put you, his son or daughter, there. And that's how we need to live our lives. So how do I know how I need to live by Jesus? Well, then we do need to read. We do need to pray. We do need to come to church and get some fellowship. We do need to take communion. We do need to do all those things, but we need to put them all together into one lifestyle. And not just a checklist of did I get this done. There's no checklist, there's a relationship. It's important for us to understand that. Well, God is a God of love. He is a God of love. But He loves you so much, He's not going to let you stay the way you are. Amen. That's how much He loves you. Come on. You know, I heard a story of a grandfather that stayed the night with his grandkids. In the middle of the night, he heard a big thud. It became obvious the next morning what happened. One of the little boys had fallen out of the bed. So the grandfather was trying to fix the problem. So he said, son, why do you think you fell out of bed? The little boy answered, well, grandpa, I guess I stayed too close to the places I got in at. That's what many of us Christians do. The place we got in the kingdom at, we're staying right there. We're not growing and being the leaders the people God wants us to be. Where we enter the kingdom is where we're still at. In so many ways. I'm still struggling with having quiet times. I'm still struggling with not being angry. I'm still struggling. Seriously? Should we not be past some of these things by now? I mean, you've been around a long time. You've seen a lot of stuff. Why is that still a challenge? Because you are still at the same place you got in it. And that's why the little boy, he got in at the edge of the bed, and boom, fell out the bed, hit his head. When you stay that close to the world, many times, you fall. It's important that you understand, I need to start growing. See, the teens, they can't just sit and have a little teen section, a little camper section. No, they need to get involved. And many people that are having a hard time, I've been around 10 years, 15 years, and I'm struggling. I'm going to tell you why. Because you're not investing in God's kingdom. If you invest, you won't struggle with what's going on. I appreciate your opinion. We need some help with our team ministry. You all know, we all know the youth of today need some help. There are so many parents that can help in the team ministry. Our campus people, they're battling. You walk up on campus, it looks like you're watching BET videos the way people dress. You got to understand, they need some help. Not that they're pitiful, but they just need support. So we can sit around and I don't have nothing to do in the church. I don't know what Sam's doing, what's going on over here. It ain't about Sam. It's about you investing in the kingdom of God. And notice what it says here in verse 10. Right before it talks about us knowing God, in verse 10 it says, And this is the count I will make with the house of Israel, and after that, because of the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. In other words, it's saying, you have to know God's word. You have to know God. He's going to put it in your mind, he's going to put it in your heart. But you know what? We can easily forget it and brush it off. Or we can meditate on it. 
Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. We're going to flip there real quick and come back. Jeremiah 9, verse 23 and 24. That's right. If you're not there, you can look at the screen. As soon as I get there. Okay, it says, on the next page, this is what the Lord says, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. See, we don't need to boast about how good we are, all the things we did. How about we boast in the Lord? About who God is, what God has done. That's what's important. Secondly, having a relationship with God, it also means fellowship. A relationship with God means fellowship. Now, the word fellowship in Greek is koinonia. That means having a, a, a communion, a relationship. Again, we can have communion, but are you communing with Jesus? Because sometimes we can take it, and then we can start thinking about everything else we got to do the rest of the day. How am I get my kid down to that team camp today? Oh, Lord, how many tolls am I going to have to pay? Police give me a ticket, and that's going to raise my insurance, and then I ain't going to get a contribution like I want to. Wait a minute, this is what we take communion, think about Jesus. And sometimes we drift off. We need some of them widget spinners sometimes to take your ring. Because we can just float off and think about other stuff. We need to bring it back to Jesus. And thinking about what Jesus has done for us. Look at 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. You know, the book of 1 John, this is what he talks about. First, he talks about how to walk in the light in chapters 1 and 2. Then he talks about how we need to walk in love from chapter 2 to the rest of the book. Fellowship is so important. That's why we have mission groups all over the city. Because we, we understand, we can't always all be together, but we can still be together and have that brotherly, sisterly bond of fellowship. If you're missing those meetings, you're missing the fellowship. You're missing the fellowship, you're missing out on a relationship with God. Hearing, seeing what everybody's talking about, why would you want to consciously miss that encouragement, that building up of each other? See, a person doesn't just walk away from a relationship with God. You know, I don't just get up in the morning, you know what, Lily, you didn't clean your room. You know what, I'm done being your father. I'm out. <laughs> you don't walk away from a relationship. So people that just say, you know what, I'm not coming back anymore. I, I, I no longer want to be a part of these. I don't want a relationship with God. That doesn't just happen one day. See, in order for you to really get out of a relationship with God, you have to work hard to get out of a relationship with God. You have to make conscious effort to leave God. Because he's already let his son die for you, so he's not going to just do that in vain. Oh well, let him go. No. So if you wanted to walk out, to give up, you're putting forth a lot of effort. 
It's important for us to understand God wants us to be right with Him. And then thirdly, let me close out with this. Having a relationship with God means we need to live in the presence of God. We need to live in the presence of God. Now, one of the guys that I was trained under, this is what he talked to us about so much. Live in the presence of Jesus. We need to practice the presence of Jesus. Imagine this. So if you got to spend the whole day with Sam or Cynthia, think of how you would be. When you're out and about somewhere, and he's like, hey, let's share our faith. You'd be a little more confident. Yeah, I'm with Sam. I'm going to share my faith. So nobody's going to say nothing to me. Look at big old man next to me. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, are you starting with something? Yeah, you know what? Let me just share it with you. So look here. How open you would be, how evangelistic you would be. You know, somebody walked by that you didn't like. Instead of thinking about shooting them in the back of the head, you'd be thinking, oh, God, I love you. I mean, even your, your whole perception would change. <laughs> Depending upon who you're with. Let's just be honest about it. That's Let's be real. That's true. Man, if you sit there saying, my woman, you're in some deep trouble, first of all. But let me say this. If we would get that much confidence from man, how much more should we get from God who is always with us? Yeah, Sam can help you not get jumped. But look at all the things God helped his people from. Pharaoh crossing the sea. Lions coming at Samson, ripping them all off. I mean, look at all of these God helped his people overcome. How much more confidence should we be in the presence of God? And this is what we got to practice. Because so many times we come to church and we're in the presence of God, and then when we leave, we go on about our, our lives and we take our presence back. You know, you know what? When you get in your car, you're in the presence of God. When you get on the bus, on the train, you're still in the presence of God. When you get home, when you go to school, you're in the presence of God everywhere you go. That's what we've got to say. That's what helps you live the righteous life. A relationship with God means I am in the presence of God everywhere I go. Everything I do, God is right there with me. That's why I'm not going to look at that lady in that way. That's why I'm not going to flirt with that guy. That's why I'm not going to steal that candy bar. Woo! That's why I'm not going to do those things I used to do. Because God is right there with me. See, this is what we got to think about. But when you don't put God, a presence of God, then your mind starts to wonder. Your eyes start to wonder. Your heart starts to wonder. You gotta be in the presence of God. Let me share a couple of scriptures with you here. John 14, verse 8. John 14, verse 8 through 11. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracle themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. 
and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. Look at what Paul says here. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Paul is saying, listen, when I became a Christian, it says that I died and Christ came to live inside of me. It's like he was resurrected in me. So I don't live to fulfill my dreams anymore. I'm dead. I live to fulfill Christ's dreams through me. He is living in the presence of Jesus every day. If you are a baptized disciple of Jesus, you made that commitment, you know who he is, you live in that way, Jesus should be living in you. At the church one day, a little girl said to her mom, well, if God is so big, mom, how come he doesn't shine through us? See, that's the real question. God is that big and that amazing. If he's living in you, he should come out of you. He should be flowing out, walking in the presence of Jesus. You've got to understand, you now are the very person God wants you to be. His son or daughter here on earth. See, having a relationship with God is not a checklist. It's not something that you do. It's something that you are because of Jesus. The name Christian is a title given. A disciple is what I am. And this is what we got to understand. We all need to live in the presence of Jesus. Everywhere you place your foot. God is with you. I love you, but this is about a relationship with God. And this is what we need to focus on. It's not just about a to-do list. It's about having a personal relationship with my God. And to God be the glory. Amen.